Chapter forty four of Carpenter's Geographical Reader Asia by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Arabia or Life in the Desert. We have traveled from Tabriz southward through Persia to Ispahan, another of its chief trading and manufacturing cities, and from there have gone by caravan to Bushir, the chief port on the eastern coast of the Persian Gulf. Here we cross that gulf to Bahrain, Arabia, and on the way visit the pearl fishing grounds, from which more than a million dollars worth of pearls are taken every year. The pearls come from pearl oysters, which live far down on the bed of the sea. The shells are gathered by Arab divers, who plug their ears and noses with cotton and tie heavy stones to their feet, in order that they may the more easily remain under the water each diver has a belt around his waist to which a rope is attached he carries a basket which he fills with the oyster shells he then signals by pulling on the rope and is drawn to the surface the shells are now opened and the pearls taken out we watch the divers a while and then go on to the mainland of arabia and make our way down the coast to muscat the chief city of the province of oman where we get a ship which carries us to aden most of our travels through western persia were in the desert we have passed over tracts in eastern arabia which were all sand and stone and our journey in the indian ocean has been along barren shores we are now in arabia lying at anchor in a harbor surrounded by low ragged mountains which are all brown rock and white sand there is not a green tree or blade of grass to be seen and everything is brown, gray, or dazzling white. This is typical of a great part of this country, which is one of the chief desert lands of the world. The city of Aden itself is all white and brown. The houses are mostly one-story buildings of sun-dried bricks, covered with plaster, and on the outskirts, climbing the hills, are huts as brown as the rocks upon which they stand. Everything seems dusty and dirty, the hot dry air from the desert sweeps over our ship it parches our tongues and as soon as we land we look about for a drink of cool water we soon find that water is worth money in aden and that every one must pay for all he gets it rains but seldom and sometimes two years pass without a drop falling there is only one well in the city and most of the water comes from the ocean the sea water being turned into steam which when condensed is fresh water the machines for doing this belong to the british government which has control of the city it sells the water to the people reserving a certain amount for the british soldiers who are stationed here as we walk through the town we see long caravans of camels coming in and going out they are laden with wool dates and coffee and we are told that two hundred thousand of them come here every year camels form the chief means of transport over the deserts and if we would travel over them we must ride on these beasts and have soldiers on camels to guard us but before we go farther let us take a look at arabia it is one of the least known lands of the world and much of it is still unexplored it consists of a stony sandy peninsula lying between africa and the main body of asia being separated from Africa by the Red Sea, and from the remainder of Asia in part by the long Persian Gulf, through which we have sailed. 
It has a coastline of more than 4,000 miles, but the winds are comparatively dry before they blow over it, and the rainfall is almost as scanty as in any large region on earth. The greater part of Arabia is a high plateau surrounded by mountains beyond which, bordering the Red Sea and extending down to the water, is a long narrow plain which is Yemen, is exceedingly fertile. The southern part of the plateau is almost sterile, but there are fertile patches in Oman and farther north, and in the interior vast tracts fitted for the grazing of camels, horses, sheep, and goats. In the past it was thought that the whole plateau was a desert, but recent explorations have shown that perhaps two-thirds of it may be used for grazing or farming. There are no large rivers, but many wadis, or river beds, which, for the greater part of the year, although dry on the surface, have water flowing below them. These underground streams are reached by wells, and the wadis, therefore, form the chief caravan routes. A part of northern Arabia and of the coast along the Red Sea is nominally governed by Turkey. Much of the western and southern coasts are subject to the British. The latter nation, through its government of Egypt, controls the peninsula of Sinai, and several important provinces along the Red Sea, and Aden belongs to it outright. Most of the country, however, is independent, being inhabited by tribes of Bedouins, each ruled by its chief. Many of the Bedouins are tent dwellers, but some inhabit cities, and they have many villages of mud or stone houses scattered here and there over the mighty plateau. The Arabs number altogether eight or ten millions. They come from the same race as ourselves, although their life and habits in the hot deserts of Arabia have given them a different complexion, some being almost as black as a negro. They are a lean race, tall and well-formed, and on the whole fine-looking. They have straight black hair and black or brown eyes. Their faces are oval, their noses aquiline, and their eyes small and deep-set. They are very proud, but are polite, good-natured, and hospitable. They seem to be distrustful of strangers and are ready to quarrel whenever occasion offers. We may see Arabs in Aden and shall meet them everywhere as we travel over the peninsula. Here comes one now leading a camel, his black face shining out in contrast to the white cotton gown which he wears. His gown is open at the chest and bound round the waist with a girdle of leather. He has also a goat's hair coat of black and white stripes which falls to his thighs, and his head is covered with a bright yellow silk handkerchief tied on with a black woolen rope as thick as your thumb. The rope is bound round his head again and again in such a way that the handkerchief covers a part of his forehead and neck and falls on his shoulders. His feet are bare, but they are protected from the hot road by sandals of wood. Behind the man walks a Bedouin woman. See how straight and fine-looking she is? Her face, strange to say, is not hidden, and she is evidently proud of her necklace of silver and of the earrings of gold which half-cover her cheeks. Her black face is tattooed, her eyelashes darkened, and her fingernails and toenails stained a bright red. She wears a blue gown which falls to her feet and has a piece of dark blue cotton over her head. Other women we meet have on veils of various kinds, and we learn that most of the women cover their faces when they go out of doors. In some places they hide all but the eyes, 
and in eastern arabia a thin black cloth serves as a veil the arabs are mohammedans whose women as we have already seen seldom go about with bare faces the inhabitants of arabia are divided into two classes those who live in tents and those of the towns and villages the tent dwellers are wandering tribes known as bedouins who live by rearing stock moving about with their sheep goats camels horses and asses from one grazing ground to another they are of many tribes each of which has its own district and is ruled by a chief they are the men of the desert and we shall find many of them also in the arid lands of syria farther north the bedouins are bold and as a rule are not friendly to strangers if we would travel with safety we must pay a tribute to the chiefs or sheiks to keep their subjects from robbing us and a powerful chief may send his soldiers along with us to protect our caravan from wandering bands on the way we stop now and then at one of the bedouin camps the tents are of homespun goat's hair or wool dyed black and woven into a coarse cloth by the women of the tribe the ordinary tent is seldom more than twenty feet long it is usually divided by a curtain into two rooms one for the women and children and the other for men there is but little furniture the ground serves as the table chair and bed of the family the cooking is done over open fires and all eat with their fingers millet and dates form the principal food the millet is ground between stones to a flour and made into cakes the dates come from the date palm of which there are many varieties they are eaten also by the horses and camels and even by dogs some of the tent dwellers raise a little wheat and barley but millet is the chief crop there are many children in these little tent villages they watch the flocks play with the horses and colts and roll about on the sand the babies are naked and the girls and boys wear no clothing until they are quite large we see children as old as ourselves who have on almost nothing their skins are dark brown or black and they shine under the tropical sun which is so hot that we feel like throwing off our clothes and playing as they do of all the stock kept by the bedouins the camels are most interesting and especially the camel colts which are still with their mothers they are ungainly little creatures and when we chase them they run off at great speed the bedouin boys tell us that some camels are slow and some fast there are riding camels and freight camels the riding animals are for traveling they make six or more miles an hour and some will go seventy-five miles in one day the freight camels are used to transport goods over the country they go about three miles or less in one hour but each will carry three hundred pounds camels are especially fitted for work in the desert their stomachs are such that they can store away enough water at one drinking to last for a week and are therefore able to traverse the long distances in these sandy wastes where no water is to be had arabian horses are among the finest known to the world and the best of them are produced in the province of Najid on the central plateau the arabian horse is not as large as the average american horse and we have many race horses which can go faster than any arabian these horses however are so beautifully formed and are so noted for their kindness endurance and other good qualities that every one wants them they are usually gray in color although some are chestnut sorrel or black reared in the desert they become accustomed to go long distances without water 
and it is said that a desert-bred steed will travel a whole day and night in the summer and about twice as long in the winter without either water or food we find that the bedouins think much of their horses they keep them staked near their tents and allow them to run about everywhere they treat them so kindly that they seldom become vicious the children are allowed to play with them and they are really made a part of the family the horses are ridden with halters being guided this way and that by a pressure of the knee end of chapter forty four